back to the podcast. I'm Steve Crowdis, the host of the Life Beyond the Summit Faith Journey Podcast for Men. Hey, we're going to do something a little bit different in this particular podcast. Both Ken Drilling and Andrew Platts, my co-hosts, are under the weather. So I'm going to fly solo for this particular podcast. And I'm excited about what I want to share with you today. It's based on uh, a um, uh, experience I had over the weekend with my son, which actually was really a neat experience. So um, sit back, relax, and enjoy uh, as I kind of share this testimony with you. Um, on November the uh, 12th of uh, 2008, my father uh, passed away from cancer. He was uh, 83 years old, and um, it was a very sudden experience. He had cancer for about uh, 30 days or so, and uh, it took him away from us, and they tried everything they could, uh, but he left us. But what I want to talk about is not that so much as the relationship that my son Andrew had with his grandfather. I think it's one of the most beautiful reflections of the unconditional love that God has and demonstrated and displayed to us in the cross by giving his son. Scripture tells us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And, you know, for just a moment, let's reflect on that. While we were yet sinners. You know, we were undeserving of what he did for us, the unconditional nature of giving himself up for us, for all of the uh, uh, pain and torment and the, the, uh, the taking of his life as a substitute for what we deserve to experience because we chose on our own, by our own self-will, by our own free will determination to separate ourselves from God by and through disobedience. And of course, we're aware that disobedience began in the Garden of Eden when God placed in the garden uh, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and said, you can have anything you want, anything you want, anything you desire. You will be lacking nothing if you simply obey me, listen to me, enjoy fellowship with me. And as a part of that, I would ask that you not partake of this one tree. Well, we all know the story. You know, Satan, uh, in the form of a serpent, tempted Adam and Eve, and of course tempted Eve first, but she brought the, uh, she presented the fruit to Adam and said, hey, you know, if we eat this, we'll be just like God. And so the point I want to make is not to spend a lot of time on that, except to say that we chose, we chose. God did not punish as much as we walked outside of his covering, and in the process, we paid the penalty, separation from God. Um, We were sent out of the garden, and we were told by God what the consequence would be, not so much because of his judgment, but because darkness cannot have fellowship with light. And when we chose to walk in darkness, choose our own way over that of the Father, that subjected us to what the darkness provides. And it provides all that we have experienced, this fallen separation from the Lord himself. So that's kind of the setup. You know, we we look at the cross, we see this unconditional, undeserved, relentless pursuit of man in order to bring us back to the Father. But what drew every one of us, if we're honest, those of us that are faith 
faith-filled followers of Jesus Christ would identify one characteristic as the drawing card, and that is the fact that while we are yet separated, walking in light of our own will and our own way, God sent his son to die for us. That unconditional attraction to his love. Really, we're drawn to the mercy. We're drawn to the love. We're drawn to the the uh, the, the the just the, the sheer nature of God's love for us. So the story I want to tell, back to Andrew and my dad. My dad having died in 08, um, Andrew doesn't, his memory of his grandfather is fading by his own admission. So Saturday was the anniversary, and every sa- every anniversary uh, of my dad's passing, it is a family affair for us to go down to Jefferson Barracks, where my dad is buried. He was a Navy uh, veteran, World War II. Um, every year we make this, you know, 20 minute drive from our house in West County down to, uh, the cemetery primarily for Andrew. Andrew really, really had this bond with uh, grandpa, but we all do it to support Andrew's desire to show respect to, um, to go down. And he knows that his grandfather's not there. My, my dad very genuinely accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and savior one month before his passing. He had knowledge that he was going to go, but it was not a um, foxhole prayer. It was a genuine, genuine prayer. My dad was a guy that was really very much in control of his life, or so he thought he was. And when he got this cancer diagnosis, he had been um, something of a health nut. And um, he ate very, very healthy, uh, but he had no idea that cancer would get the better of him. And he always thought he would live to be a hundred. He really did. He thought he would live to be a hundred plus because he felt like he had this diet that was, you know, sort of otherworldly. <laughs> um, and so he felt somewhat uh, immune to dying because he thought he had what the intake was supposed to be totally under control. Anyway. So he made this profession of faith. that was very real, but um, so um when he died, Andrew knows that he's not there, and and you know because of his confession of faith, we believe he's in heaven and he's experiencing eternal life with the Father, which is a beautiful thing. So back to the story. So Andrew, Andrew loves to go down there every year, like we don't miss a beat on this. And I think when Andrew graduates college and even moves away, anytime he returns to St. Louis, he will make that same uh, um, commitment to going down. You know, in fact, even if he is here on a non-anniversary, I'm sure he'll want to go down to the grave just to be closer to his grandfather's name on a tablet, you know, as it were in the cemetery, there is headstone. But what is it that made that relationship so special? That's what I want to talk about for a few minutes. And I see a lot of parallel, frankly, between the relationship Andrew enjoyed with his grandfather and the relationship that God wants to have with you and I. Um, through his son and through the cross. So let me give you a little background. So um, Andrew, um, again, his memory of his grandfather is fading as new memories are being made throughout life and in other life experiences and with new friends and the, the whole, you know, the whole life routine. But Andrew had a very special time with his grandfather. So at nine years of age, he only has a recollection. This was his 
reflection with me that maybe three or four years deep because before that he doesn't have much memory. You know, zero to five or so years of age are hard for him to remember, even six. But he very palatably remembers these three years with Grandpa, and he feels like they probably go back to the age of six. It's kind of when he can pick up memory. Of course, my dad was very, very involved in both of my kids' lives from their birth forward. He was just elated. I didn't marry Susie until I was 38. We had Andrew and Annalise, uh, respectively, at 41 and 43 years of age. And uh, my parents were just on cloud nine. The other part of my family, my siblings live on the West Coast, my brother and sister and their family. So they don't see them, but maybe once or twice a year. But I'm here in St. Louis still, and my parents were able to see Susie and I and her three kids on a regular basis. And then, of course, when we had new babies, my parents were just out of this world excited and just really were were great grandparents to them. Great, you know, they just were really good at, at being grandparents. But dad developed this bond with Andrew. My dad developed this bond with Andrew. And so I'm going to refer to him as grandfather because it's Andrew's grandfather and the stories about Andrew. So Andrew and I are, are, we go down to the cemetery Saturday and afterward we always go to Steak and Shake because that's a place where he and grandpa always went after any event. And for any reason, my, my grandpa just, or my dad just loved to take Andrew to the Steak and Shake. Andrew liked the shakes. My dad liked the shakes, the fries, the burgers, none of which really suited his dietary um, theories, but nonetheless, he liked to go there. And that put a big smile on Andrew's face to get that great big chocolate shake and so on and so forth. Anyway, so we've made it a routine to always go to Steak and Shake after we go to the cemetery. So Andrew and I are sitting at Steak and Shake after we went to the cemetery. I don't really have need of going there. Um, I had a different kind of relationship with my dad um, than Andrew had as a grandson. But um, I I go because Andrew wants to go. We all go because Andrew wants to go. This particular time, Susie was out of town, and Annalise now lives in Arizona with her husband. So Andrew and I made the pilgrimage down, 20-minute drive down to the the, uh, cemetery. And um, I I let Andrew, we we go to it together, and then I walk back to the car, and Andrew stays there for a few minutes, and and then he comes back to the car, and we go. We're there maybe 10 minutes the whole time at, at the tombstone or in the cemetery. And then we head over to Steak and Shake. And the Steak and Shake event is to commemorate our visit to see Grandma and Grandpa. They're both there together. So we're, we're sitting down. I said, Andrew, what is it about Grandpa that's so special to you? Now, Andrew's 23 years of age, and Andrew recounted a number of things. But a memory that is really indelibly um, etched into his heart and mind is the fact that on a fairly routine, it seems like two to three times a week, my dad would drive down from Florissant to our home in West County. Now, th- this was about uh, a 35 to 40-minute drive. They lived somewhat deep into the city of Florissant, and so getting out of Florissant, getting the highway, getting down here, 40, 35 to 40 minutes to our doorstep. And my my uh, my dad thought nothing, nothing, nothing of making that drive simply to be able to walk Andrew to the bus stop. Now, realize the bus stop really is you know, maybe, uh, maybe an eighth of a mile from the house. But because Andrew was the only one at the stop, the driver was more than happy just to pick him up in front of our house. So um, that was the bus stop. Now, from the driveway, or I'm sorry, from the mailbox to the front door is about 100 feet. We have a circle drive. It's, you know, our house is a little bit set back on the lot that it's sitting on. 
So when I say from the house to the driveway, I'm not talking about a typical subdivision home where it might be, what, 50 feet to the mailbox, a standard driveway. This is like 100 feet, maybe maybe 150 feet, maybe 200 feet. It's a little, little walk out there. But anyway, my dad would drive that 40 minutes down to the house, and he would call first and say, Susie, can I come down today and walk Andrew to the mailbox? But my dad was real, real kind of cute about it. He'd say, I don't want to be... I don't want to be in everybody's way. I know it's early morning. I know, you know, the kids are just kind of rousing and I know it's kind of hard to get them going and get, you know, wipe the sleep out of their eyes and get them, you know, all ready to go to school and out the front door. So I don't want to meddle. I don't want to come in the house. I will sit on the front porch and wait for Andrew to come out. And then I'll walk him to the mailbox and be there with him for a few minutes before he gets on the bus. So I want you to think about that audience for a minute. He would drive 40 minutes for five minutes, and then he would get in his car and drive home. And he would often repeat this morning and afternoon. And certainly, if it wasn't morning and afternoon, it might might be morning after morning for a few mornings, or afternoon after afternoon for a few afternoons, or it might be a morning and an afternoon in the same day, days, maybe two or three days in a row. Dad was retired. He had the time to do it. But I remember thinking, Dad, what are you doing? I mean, how are you justifying this, right? That's the question. We could ask the same. How is it that God justified sending his son to die on our behalf when we didn't deserve it? When we didn't deserve it. Now, It wasn't that Andrew didn't deserve Grandpa coming down, but what it spoke to Andrew and to us as his parents, this unbelievably deep love that Grandpa had for his grandson, for Andrew. So let's reflect on this a minute. He'd get here five minutes before the bus would arrive, and Andrew would come out the front door. Grandpa would give him a big hug and tell him he loved him and give him a little kiss on the cheek and take his little hand and walk him to the um, to the bus stop. Again, several hundred feet at best from the door to the mailbox. They'd sit there and visit for a few minutes and, you know, sort of just chat. And then the bus would go up the street and come down the street and open its doors. And Grandpa would give him a big hug and a kiss on the cheek and help him up on the step of the bus. And, and Andrew would get on the bus, roll the window down, you know, let the window down, put his little hands like paws over the window's edge, stick his head out the window and say, bye, Grandpa, bye, Grandpa, and just smile. And he'd say, he literally would say, I love you, Grandpa, and Grandpa would say, I love you too, and they'd wave at each other, and off the bus would go. Then oftentimes that same afternoon, Grandpa would be there to greet Andrew at the mailbox. Remember, Grandpa's driving 40 minutes for five minutes, just wanted to spend a few minutes with Andrew. So the return was even more interesting. So the bus comes up the street. Now remember, the bus door is on the right-hand side of the bus uh, as you're sitting in the bus. And our house is on the left-hand side of the street. So a bus driver generally, if he can avoid letting you out to where you got to cross in front of the bus, he'll, he'll avoid that. In our case, we live on a long cul-de-sac. So the bus goes all the way up the street and then returns down before it lets Andrew off in front of our house. But on the way up, and I witness, I've I witnessed this in the past because I would stand out there with Dad on occasionally. Occasionally, 
And on the way up the street, Andrew would immediately be on the left side of the bus, roll the windows down, the little paws both on the window, holding the window down, putting his head out the window, the wind blowing through his hair, a big smile on his face, and he'd say, hi, Grandpa, hi, Grandpa, and and just wave like crazy with this smile and, you know, yelling out to Grandpa. Wouldn't say hi, Dad. He said hi, Grandpa, even when I was standing there with Grandpa. Grandpa would get the hi, not Dad. <laughs> so they drove up the street, right? Andrew's head is out the window all the way until you can't see him, and then they come back down. Now, Andrew switched sides on the bus, little paws over the window, head out the window, windblown hair, smile on his face, just excited to see Grandpa. The door on the bus opens. The bus comes to a stop. The door opens. Andrew runs. You can see him running out, you know, down the lane of the, the center aisle of the bus, and then he would always, especially when he, well, obviously when he was younger, not so much older, he would jump off that last step into Grandpa's arms. And then Grandpa would either carry him to the door, because he could, uh, or he would let Andrew down, and they would walk hand in hand to sit on the front porch. Now, the return trip was a little different, because Andrew and Grandpa would sit on opposing chairs on the front porch, and Grandpa would ask him about his day, or Andrew would sit on his lap or his knee, and tell Grandpa about his day before Andrew would go on into the house. So on the return in the afternoon, my dad would often spend maybe 10 minutes with Andrew. But again, not wanting to be a nuisance to Susie, our household, our family, wanting to give us our space, he would be true to his word. Uh, Not that we would demand that he do that, of course, but he would say goodbye to Andrew, give him a hug, a kiss, and tell him he loved him. And he'd say, see you tomorrow. If he knew he was planning on coming back in the morning, I'll see you tomorrow right here at the same time. I mean, it was just so beautiful. Well, let me tell you that the honest truth is that Andrew was so uh, uh, impressed. It, It was so etched into his heart how much Grandpa loved him. And as Andrew has grown older and become more mature, he realized what an incredible sacrifice it was that my dad would take 40 minutes one way just to come and have those few minutes with Andrew. Are you getting this audience? Do you see where I'm going with this? This is a grandfather shedding such incredible grace, mercy, love, acceptance, approval, unconditional love on his grandson that I think Andrew, as long as he is able, will make that pilgrimage to that cemetery just to be near the engraved name of his grandfather and reflect on those memories. In fact, I have to tell you something, folks. For the longest while, remember, Andrew was only nine. So for the first several years that we went to the cemetery, Andrew would, he held on to his little cars, the little box, you know, his little his little soapbox derby cars and his little, he had some little buses and some other little uh, vehicles, you know, little trucks or whatever. He would take one of those vehicles and put it on the top of um, the arch top of dad's grave marker at uh, Jefferson Barracks. And he would always want to spend a few minutes there, even by himself. At the age of 10, 11, 12 years of age, he would ask us if he could have a few moments there by himself. I hope you see what I'm trying to convey. 
Andrew was smitten by the unconditional love of a grandfather for him as a grandson. And so, so indelible was the imprint that it stayed with Andrew and stays with Andrew to this day. Andrew, when we were together, I said, Andrew, what, what is it that really touched you about Grandpa? And he said, I, it was really this unconditional and so I said to Andrew, are you hearing what you're saying? Now, Andrew loves the Lord, but we all need to be encouraged. And I was able to use that um, to help Andrew once again re-identify the love of the Father for him, that is to say the Heavenly Father. The love of the Father for us, the love of the Father for me, for you as you're listening to this podcast. You know, I know a lot of life can be hard and can be frustrating, and can be overwhelming. But just as overwhelming as life can be, so is his love overwhelming for us, to us, on our behalf, around us, above us, below us. He is omnipresent, ever-caring, ever-knowing, ever-loving, Never ending is his love for us. You know, the scripture reminds us that no greater love does one man have for another than he would lay his life down for a friend. And of course, that scripture reference is one regarding Jesus himself. No greater love has one man for another than he would lay his life down for a friend. And um, we know in the natural, that would be a significant undertaking for any of us. And yet in the supernatural, to deliver us into an eternal relationship with the Father, God sent his Son, his one and only Son, to die on our behalf, a death that he did not deserve, that we because we have gone our own way and pursued our own purposes and desires and will and gratification. We did that, and yet we walked in the stillness of the day, in the cool of the afternoon, in the warmth of the morning. We walked in the garden with him in the, in the uh, book of Genesis, in the Garden of Eden. And despite having that intense relationship where he put one um, one uh, sort of regulation that engaged our free will, do not partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because if you do, you will suffer the consequence. And instead of believing that and enjoying this rich relationship, we chose to abandon the relationship with him over our own self-will. So what we see here, what is drawing Andrew's heart to his grandfather is the unconditional. Andrew would tell you at that stage of his life, um, though he loved his mom and dad, his grandfather demonstrated to something him that was otherworldly. At the time, he didn't realize it, but he does today, that that was this unconditional nature of what love can look like. 
uh, when it's done well and done right. And Grandpa did it well and did it right. And it's to this day caused the birthing of a, of a continuance of love for the grandfather from the grandson. And this is what we see in the Lord. What attracts me to the Lord is the unconditionality of his love, that while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. While you were yet a sinner, for those of you who have confessed him as your Savior, he died for you. And for those of you that may not be believers, he died for you. I've often heard it said that if none but one on the whole face of the earth or that ever has been or will be, if none but one were to come to believe that, he still would have died for the all of humanity. Thank goodness many of us have responded and stepped into an understanding. I just love this story about Andrew and his grandfather. And my son Andrew would tell you that it helps him understand the love of the Father. Unfortunately, many of us in this life have not had uh, an unconditional human example before us, as Andrew has experienced. I didn't have that, even in my own father. The very grandfather that I'm referring to undid some wrongs when I had kids, and he now was a grandfather. He bent over the other way to be something different than he was, recognizing his own failings in his family and in his parenting. Not a terrible father, but a difficult father at best. And I have suffered, as many of you have, uh, from a lifetime of uh, reflecting on the wrong things, identifying the wrong things to be focused on. I'm so thankful that on July 31st of 1982, I came to know him, came to know Jesus Christ, and came to know the crucifixion, and came to know eternal life as a result of accepting him. I accepted him in the most beautiful way at my brother's wedding. Uh, the 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 whole uh, uh, the nuance the um, the ceremony of marriage you know dying to self and living to another helped me identify you know of course for me this was a very unique experience but it helped me identify what happened on the cross that Jesus laid his life down that I might experience life that Jesus laid his life down that my son Andrew might experience life. The beauty of the example of Andrew, again, is that of what we see in the cross. Andrew's grandfather drove down here 40 minutes one way frequently just to spend five minutes in the morning, and then he would make that same drive in the afternoon just to have five minutes with Andrew. What what was communicated to Andrew was, I love you with a love that's enduring, that's everlasting, that is not dependent on what you do, Andrew, but is driven by who you are. The very basic understanding that you are my grandson, that you are the apple of my eye, a beautiful, beautiful thing. And you know, guys, if we'll, if we'll take to heart what God has done on the cross for you and I, it's because we are created in his image. We are made in his likeness. He desires fellowship with us. He desires unification with us. He desires to be one with us, even as he's one with the Father. And the bonus is that we get to have eternal life with him 
and with the Lord and with the Holy Spirit in heaven. The three in one, the Trinity, becomes our forever eternal relationship. I just want to really encourage you. I hope that this little story, you know, has maybe intrigued you, has provoked you to recognizing that maybe you haven't had a uh, Andrew and his grandfather experience in your life or relationship in your life, but you can have it, folks. We can have it. I can have a deeper relationship. You can have a beginning relationship or a deeper relationship, depending on where you are. God desires to be in fellowship with you and with me. You know, we can make this about ourselves, but it's really all about him. When we examine our hearts and we really look at what purpose is, all the people that you and I know that have achieved success apart from God will tell you that life has discovered for them an emptiness because there has to be something more, and that something more is a relationship with him. You know, I just want to say in closing, I, I just really want to encourage you, if you do not have a relationship with him, this is so easy to enter into. And I know many of us have very painful perspectives on relationship from our own life experience. I had that. Many have that. But we have to acknowledge um, that we are broken people and that we need the Savior. Not a Savior, we need the Savior, Jesus Christ one and the same. No man comes to the Father but by the Son. If that's something you haven't done, I encourage you to prayerfully consider allowing him to come in to refresh you, to replenish you, to forgive you of your sins. Sin, by definition, is really turning your eyes away from the Lord. It's walking in light of your own way, your own purpose, and your own vision for life. That is sin. That's how you define sin. It's not necessarily cussing or doing this or doing that, it, the, the purest form of sin is to reject God. And if that's been you, then repent of that. That is to say, ask for forgiveness. Lord, I've turned away from you. I've never known you. I've never accepted you. I want to know you. I want to accept you. I want to know this unconditional love. Or if you're a person that's gone wayward, you've been in the fold, come back. Come back to the Lord. Allow him to uh, to heal your heart, to Bind up your wounds, emotional, psychological, physical, whatever they may be, and allow him to be the person he wishes to be in your life. Um, Forsaking all others, love the Lord with all of your heart. Forsaking all others and all of everything, things as well as others, putting him first in all that you can be and can do. Uh, anyway, gosh, you guys, you know, it's just great to come to you. I, we love doing this podcast. I'm sorry the guys weren't with me today. I hope you've enjoyed this very special testimony about Andrew with his grandfather. Every day he grows closer to his grandfather because one thing, he felt this unconditional love and this deep connection to his grandfather that was not based on what he did, said, or how he behaved, but just simply because of who he is. That is a picture of our Heavenly Father to us and the gift that allows us to get there, the go-between, is the cross, is Jesus Christ. Well, I guess I should say, until next time, 
uh, I just really encourage all of you to uh, to seek Him. You know, the Bible says, "Seek first the kingdom of heaven, and all these things will be added unto you." So, until next time, you guys, God bless you. It's great to talk to you. Um, great to be with you. Keep the faith. Remember Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the evidence of things hoped for. It is the conviction of things that are not seen. Let's turn our eyes toward heaven. Let's allow the cross to minister life and truth to us. And let's know what Jesus said we could know. He said we could know the truth and the truth will set us free. Until next time, God bless.